Welcome everybody to another episode of Tandem Coaching Academy Skipping Agile Coaching Non-Denominational Podcast. We are your hosts today, Shuri Silas and I, Alex Kudnov. And today we have a special guest. It's Howard Sublet, and he is the CEO of Scrum Alliance. Uh, probably doesn't need any more introduction, but Howard, I'm pretty sure our listeners know you as CEO of Scrum Alliance, but where did Howard come from? Wow. Um, where did I come from? Can you ask smaller questions, Alex? Um, uh, I'm, I'm actually just a small town guy, a small town guy in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm, I'm a Southern guy in the Southern part of the United States. Uh, I, uh, uh, I came to this industry out of a consulting industry and actually got my first start at Scrum Alliance back in 2007 and eight and nine. Um, uh, when, when a friend of mine took me to, to coffee and said, um, Hey, I'm working at this company and I think what you're doing could be helpful for us. And it's called scrum Alliance. And I'd never heard the word before. Number one, I thought it was like multi-level marketing and I was going to be selling Amway. And I said, I'm not interested in that. And he said, no, 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 no. It's not that. Um, it's something really cool. And so he took me to, to talk to a group of people that were working in a scrum fashion and they started talking about the way that their life used to be. And they were working on things that got that had no value. They weren't sure what they were working on. And now they're working on ways that they can pull work to themselves. They were happier in the way that they worked. And then we talked to the owners of the company who were ecstatic about being able to give um, a product to a customer faster and more frequently and build higher fidelity customer facing things. And they were happier. And I'm like, I don't know what this magic thing is, but I want a part of it. Uh, so I, I took on a role as a contractor for Scrum Alliance back in, I think it was uh, seven, eight, and nine, uh, and then went off into the consulting world, went over to uh, Eastern Europe uh, uh, and did a coaching gig for about three months with a, with a company that we're all very familiar with, uh, and then got a job offer to go help build uh, Big Visible Solutions out of Boston, a, an agile coaching and consulting company. And was there for four or five years until we sold that company to Solutions IQ out in uh, out in Seattle. Uh, so we ended up with about 250 full-time agile coaches and trainers at Solutions IQ, being the largest United States of pure play agile consultancy. Then it sold to Accenture when I became one of uh, 600,000 employees globally. And then an opportunity opened the door to come back into Scrum Alliance. So that was kind of my circle. So I've gone from not understanding even what the Scrum thing is to helping running uh, training businesses and coaching businesses in the Agile space to actually coming full circle back into the Scrum Alliance. Mm. And you've been, you've been around Scrum Alliance so in your new role for quite some time now. Um, how does it compare to your first gig, how does it, how does it feel to be back? I, it's, um, I never expected to be back, to be honest with you. I didn't expect uh, to get a chance to come back or actually to be invited to come back. Um, it, it was an honor to get a chance to, to, to be here and to be in this role. Um, I never thought that it would be uh, something that could happen because I've, I've always been passionate about kind of the, the space and the, the industry and the mission and what we're trying to do in the world of work. And um, honestly, I have a, a lot of uh, imposter syndrome in me thinking that I was never going to be good enough to help do this. And um, uh, 
so to get that opportunity was actually very humbling and very exciting to come back. It's, it's quite a different organization than when I was here before we were, we were very small and it was very bootstrap. We were all contractors and everybody was remote and, and now we've, we've grown up, we've become a more of a real company with a, with a physical building and employees. And it's become a lot over the years, it's become a lot bigger than it was, you know, 15 years ago. So. And so Scrum Alliance, it's alliance around Scrum. And Scrum is a framework to create great products and uh, make this better world of work. So, and at some point, uh, the world of agile coaching exploded. And uh, I spoke to people like several years ago and, uh, and even now, people don't really understand what the difference is between Scrum Master and Agile Coaching. And uh, Scrum Alliance made really big moves into Agile Coaching. You've had some programs before uh, certifying Agile Coaches and you have programs now like CTCCC. So can you give us a little bit kind of insight what was going on and how it progressed through, through time? Yeah, um, when I was here before, uh, in 2008, the Scrum Alliance created the first Agile Coaching Certification. I think it was called Certified Scrum Coach at that time, uh, CSC. And then I think there was another organization, not, not in our Agile space, but another company that his name was CSC. And then it that became CEC, just for copyright information or trademark information. But we created the very first, we, we had we created the very first Scrum certification or the very first Agile certification in the CSM, CSPO. And in 2008, created the first Agile coaching certification. It was CSC at that time. And then it seems like it just kind of took a back burner to everything else. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the episodic trainings of, of, of CSMs and CSPOs, advanced CSMs, uh, people were, were hungry for transactional learning. Like, let's, let's, let's get this in as fast as we can. And somehow the organization kind of took a, let Agile Coaching or that certification line kind of take a back seat. And it was during that time when I wasn't here that I was actually hiring agile coaches and helping to, to uh, seek new clients and help onboard a great agile coach into that. Um, and it was always hard to try to find really good coaches, right? It, it was hard to find people that were credentialed. It was hard to find people that uh, had more than a two-day entry-level certification um, that actually had the real experience. And you know, it is very difficult to vet somebody that's an agile coach. It is, it is very difficult. Even if you're in the industry, sometimes it is very difficult to vet who really knows their stuff and who doesn't know their stuff, much less does a client have any idea who is good in this industry and who is not. I'll, I'll tell you a side story here. Many years ago, somebody was, was applying for a job with me. And they were a, uh, they said they were a global enterprise agile transformation coach or some other god awful big title. And in the conversation with this person over, over their experience, they started telling, I asked them to tell me some stories about the work that they'd done at a client. And the stories started sounding very repetitive for me. Like it was a template that I've heard time and time and time again. And uh, I, I asked them to stop the story for a little bit. And I said, how long were you coaching with these teams? Oh, uh, eight months. Cool. Stop telling me about what happened. Tell me everybody's name. 
tell me the product owner's name and the scrum master's name. Tell me about their families. And this person went, uh, 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 well, product owner was Steve. And, uh, 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 and it was a super awkward moment. And I said, you never actually coached that team, did you? And they said, no, I didn't. Have you ever worked as a scrum master? No, I haven't. What's the last job that you had? They were a cashier in a department store, but they'd read all the books. They were a featured speaker at all the big agile conferences over the last few years, but they'd actually never coached before. Never coached before. So even in our industry, sometimes it's really hard to, to, to dis distinguish the, the people that are pretending to be for good reasons, right? They really want to help from those that really have the experience. And so it hit me that if we're going to make a difference in transforming the world of work, like somebody, some organization is going to have to take the lift to help the world understand what's the difference. Because right now, I think on LinkedIn, there's 400,000 people that call themselves an agile coach. And I, they probably mean well, Alex, they probably want to be change agents and difference makers and but how is a company ever going to decide, do they really know their stuff or not? Are they going to help us? And we've all seen transformations start and stop, start and stop. We've seen failure after failure. Every, every study that I read is somewhere between 50 and 95% of agile transformations fail for one reason or another. And I know from my experience with coaching companies, um, my success rate for really high caliber coaches for the client success are far better than those that are far more junior. That's a scary story you tell, Howard. <laughs> it's a true story. And I left the name out to protect them. Good job. And so over the last couple of years, um, I've been seeing something that's pretty interesting um, happening in the, in the marketplace and that's job descriptions and postings that are specifically asking for CECs and CTCs, Certified Agile Coaches. And so you brought up this big kind of black spot of people don't know the difference. So what is the difference? So for us, for Scrum Alliance, so our coaching certifications are not a two-day class. Uh, it's, uh, it's far more than that. It's the culmination of a learning journey, um, a decade or so of experience and time and learning from failure and learning from success. Uh, our coaching certifications are not scrum specific. Um, they're like your podcast name here. They're much more non-denominational or agnostic to frameworks. Um, and they're peer reviewed and peer vetted. Uh, so, uh, this isn't a test. It isn't something that somebody can go online and, and just take a test and get uh, some letters after their name. It's a long process to go through to be vetted by other people with experience in the space. Um, uh, so it's, um, <clears throat> it would be a little bit like me um, going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and just simply grabbing somebody on the street that said that they had ever climbed it the mountain and they were going to be my guide rather than actually talking to other people that had watched somebody go up and I helped guide them. And so I want to take some experienced guides with me up that mountain, because as we all know, um, agile transformations are difficult. They're, they're, 
They're crunchy at times. They can be long. Uh, they are uh, complex. They're human centric. And you don't want to go the, this on this journey with somebody that just says that they have ever done this before. You actually want to know, has this person had the experience and the credentials? Do they have the background to help you on this journey? And so I've, I've heard that you've got this big vision of increasing the number of certified agile coaches in the world. And, um, you know, we all know what numbers and metrics can do. And so it makes me wonder how, how do we increase that number, whatever that number is supposed to be, and yet still maintain this level of expertise and quality so that we're serving the industry well. Yeah, that's always the catch-22, right? Um, the, the, the number is not significant, right? Um, but I know for us to be able to affect um, any kind of critical mass in the world with the numbers of people that are calling themselves Agile coaches, we have to have a significant number, right? Um, but we're not willing to bend on that quality bar. So we're trying to find other creative ways to help um, through, through mentoring programs or through online courses or through this or through whatever it is to help, help get people to that level of, of knowledge and experience without lowering that bar. Um, th there's a tipping point that happens, like even in the early days when I, when I was telling Alex earlier that when we were here at Scrum Alliance before, uh, one of our goals to realize that we were arriving as an industry because we wanted to help reshape the world of work was that we would know that we've arrived when recruiters would start asking for a CSM. Um, because when we started, they didn't know what that was. And so now it's like a prerequisite for every job offer. And you're right. When I look at Indeed or LinkedIn or one of those other places, we're starting to see many, many more that are starting to ask for those certified agile coach. Uh, enterprise coach, team coach credentials from us. So we're starting to make an impact in it. So the critical mass really is about that so that we can come together and solve those complex things for the world. And, and honestly, <clears throat> it's not just about us. Like I, I, I would be just as excited if other organizations said, you know what, we're going to increase the bar for what it means to be an agile coach out there in the world too. We're going to follow that. Like we've created, as an industry, we created a lot of fast followers in this world and, and it's helped make the world a better place, right? We, there are more and more people teaching about Scrum and teaching about Agile because of the way our organization started. If more and more organizations also start doubling down on elevating what it really means to be an Agile coach, we all win. A rising tide rises all ships and that's fine. Um, but we're, we're making the investment in that trying to lead that charge so that others will follow. Not so we can own something, but like somebody's got to invest in this. Otherwise, I'm, I'm actually really fearful for this entire agile movement. You know, companies invest and invest and invest and invest into transformations that may not be producing the fruits that they're wanting it to produce. And I'm fearful that if some, we don't step up, if we as an industry don't step up and actually start delivering results for them in a, in a more powerful way as an industry, this whole agile movement may kind of fade. People may decide it doesn't work or it's a fad, which we all know it works. So some, I think our success and the movement, the rapid growth of the movement may be um, uh, 
an impediment for us in a way. So we're, we're a little bit ahead of that, so. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's great to see that Scrum Alliance invests into the program and uh, kind of pulls uh, or throws its uh, strength and throws its credibility behind the agile coaching. Um, so if I'm an employer and I'm looking to hire a CEC and CTC, um, should I just blindly trust the label that Scrum Lines put on the person CCCTC, or what should I be looking for in these people? Um, I think it's a good <clears throat> it's a good starter conversation. Uh, just like if you were going to build a house, I assume you would want to know somebody that is um, uh, understands local build building codes and and has an endorsement from the city to be able to build but every builder may be slightly different. So not only are you going to be looking for somebody with that credential, you're probably going to be looking for somebody with that experience in your industry, your domain. Um, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes some experience in certain industries may be more beneficial for you. If you're in a complex system of, let's say you're building you know, nuclear reactors or you're building uh, rockets to the moon, you may look for somebody with more experience in those kind of industries or heavy pharmaceutical tech or something that have that understand that highly regulated industry. So uh, you'd always want to interview somebody that's going to be there, understand uh, what the objective is, what your main pain points are, uh, what you'd like to try to achieve out of the coaching engagement, make sure you understand that and they understand that. Um, But I think it's a good, a good start to at least start with that, um, start with that credential first. And if you can't find anybody that's that, figure out how can you help somebody get there. So my next question, um, at Tandem, uh, we have this uh, psycho, uh, psychometric test that uh, we give to our students to kind of assess how they think. And what we did a couple of months ago, uh, we got about a dozen of CEC, CTC, actual PSTs uh, trying to figure out uh, if there's one or multiple traits that make them that makes them successful. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a couple things that actually falls out of that. Uh, so um, there's a such category there as conformity, and it varies from strong-willed to compliant, and uh, all CCCTCs fall into very, very strong will. It's actually a band from one to three, right? And what it says that these people are often referred to as mavericks that do not respond to close management. They are often willing to question what not, when not in agreement. And in fact, you would expect them to question and to defend their point of view. Hmm. And the other point there, is uh, a very strong autonomy. So there's independence category and it varies from reliant to autonomous. And when we're talking about independence, um, it kind of didn't come across as, as something like, oh, we didn't expect that. But what the profile says about is, uh, they might not follow the party line. They tend to prefer to decide what to do from moment to moment without management input they are slow to follow. If you are highly independent, someone might need to be deemed coordinator. So awareness of what is being done can be known. So how, do, how does it feel to run the organization field of very unmanageable on the one side and very independent people on the other side? 
Wow. That's some interesting stuff. Um, in a way, I think I would have, again, you're hitting me this live. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Fiercely independent makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, most of the agile thinkers that are out there that are, uh, they tend to want to cha uh, challenge the status quo. Uh, they tend to want to think outside the box um, and being fiercely independent that way is probably a, probably makes a lot of sense. Um, what was the other aspect of that? You're muted. The other is conformity. So very strong willed rather yeah. than compliant. And maybe that applies to, was there an application in that over of, of within what context that that means? That's context of work. Hmm. So whatever work they do and profile is pretty much uh, kind of work uh, agnostic. It's interesting. I actually don't know how to parse that one right now. Sheree is enjoying me sitting here being uh, uh, quiet for once. That it's amazing to watch. Alex, you finally asked a coaching question that just got Howard to think and listen. No, I'm messing with you. So um, it's been, it was really interesting to me to see and not surprising at all, because it makes sense that knowing who I am and knowing those that I work among, the reason you bring a, a, a certified agile coach into your organization is to challenge the status quo, mm -hmm. to be able to ask, well, why are we doing this? Um, I realize we've been, you've been doing it this way for the last 20 years. What was the problem you were trying to solve and does it still exist, okay. right? So, so to bring in an agile coach who's going to do yes, ma'am, yes, sir, whatever you want, well, that's mm -hmm. staff augmentation. That's not what we do. We come to disrupt and to create a different world that you asked us to create. So it, it made a lot of sense. And when I saw the data, I was like, yeah, this is right on. Yeah, and there's of course a caveat there. So in kind of a warning, big warning signs that, look, you are very comfortable with change and you, you bring a lot of change. However, people might get tired of the change and people might have really trouble following ever changing process. So how do agile coach, coaches show up so that they are aware of that? Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, and it, it was just an interesting tidbit when we look at that. It's like, hmm, I can see us doing that. And I'm not particularly sure what kind of recommendations we can, um, we can give to maybe aspiring agile coaches rather than just beware. There is a red sign there. Yeah. So Howard, that brings me to a really a, a interesting question for you. And that's what do you, what is your message to people who want to be agile coaches? They want to be really good. They want to be respected in the industry and they want to go along this CTC or CEC certifications. How do they actually get there? Hmm. Um. I don't know that it's a one, one simple linear path, right? Uh, there are many ways to reach out. There's even on our website, there's become a coach uh, under coaching. You can find the become a coach and you can read all about all the details. So I won't go into that. It's, I, I do believe that 
all of those people that are out there that call themselves agile coaches are trying to make the world a better place. I really believe that they want to help. I believe in, in the hope of humanity, that this is why we're here uh, for more human centric organizations. But as a coach, you have to be self-aware of what you know and what you don't know and what you don't know, what you don't know. And, and are you really being uh, an enabler for your organization, what they want, or actually, are you actually enabling the transformation that you're hoping to achieve? And, and there's only really a way to know that is if, is if you go through this kind of cathartic process of being uh, peer reviewed and challenge yourself to see, do I really know my stuff? So honestly, Sri, you know this more than I do, is that the vast majority of, of people that come to apply that think that they are all that in a bag of chips, that they've been doing this for so long and they know everything about the role of an agile coach or a real change artist within an organization. And then they come to the different aspects of the things that they need to know and they go, holy crap, I'm, I actually have a lot of learning to do before I can even go through this process. Like they realize immediately that there's a gap. And, uh, you know, for us, if, if I can even plant the seed in the people's minds that, that they may have that gap that they don't know just by starting the process, they will learn what that gap is and they can increase their skills, which helps us out. So I would say start the journey. The journey isn't an easy one. It's not a, um, a fast path. Uh, there's not an, uh, um, an easy way to get there. I think that the, uh, um, and I always forget this word. I don't know why I've got a blocker on it. Um, uh, the nomination path. If you know somebody that's a CEC or CTC that's actually within our organization, uh, uh, that's probably the, the easiest way uh, through the nomination path to be able to go there and let them help mentor you through that process. Otherwise, there's a simple application process that you can go through uh, on our website. But I would say start. You will never arrive at a destination unless you start. Yeah, I agree. And something I've um, that what you said really resonated with me. Coaching is not just about how much agile knowledge you have. Right? There's a lot of people with a lot of really great agile knowledge out there. Um, coaching is a bit different. There's some other skills to be added to the agile knowledge. Agile knowledge alone enables consulting. Um, coaching is a, a bit of a different beast. And so that's one of the things that we're really trying to bring to this, this world of agile coaching. So um, Howard, CEOs all over the world are trying to figure out how to do this stuff. And they're trying to figure out why should I invest number one in a coach and number two in a certified agile coach because they're likely to be more expensive than your run of the mill coach. What's the return on investment? Um, what's the opposite of that? What's, what's the return if, if, if you don't invest? I mean, if the pandemic hits and your entire business is disrupted and you have no way to pivot because you're a very formulaic, stoic, top-down, constricted, archaic organization that takes six months to, to shift, how much did that cost? Like organizational change isn't, isn't quick, right? I'm not gonna ever tell anybody that there's, that there's a fast way to do this, but the speed Somebody said something to me a while back and it keeps resonating with me. If you think about the speed of change in the world, you know, back 
however many hundreds of years ago, if I was a blacksmith, my son would have been a blacksmith and his son would have been a blacksmith. And we probably would have used the same tools, right? Um, now, like the speed of change of what's happening in the world is so exponentially fast. Um, it, it's, it's, it's crazy how fast things are changing. Before products even go out, the market has shifted. And, and the speed of change that we feel today is the slowest we will ever feel in the future. It's not going to get slower. It's going to get faster. And the, the sooner that you start that process to hiring really good people to help you adapt an organizational design, cross-departmental teams that can actually deliver early and often rapidly to your customers and get quick feedback, the sooner you can invest in that, the sooner you can be ready to keep up with your competition or dominate your competition or just delight your customer. Like delay in this kind of a time period is, is a foolish waste of revenue. I mean, why would you delay? Uh, the, the pandemic has told us, if it's taught us anything, is that change is going to happen. Um, so be ready for it. So I would start investing sooner rather than later. You as a leader as well need those skills to be able to understand you don't actually have all the answers and that your teams that are closest to the problem and closest to the customers may have a better answer than what you do as the leader. There, there's a lot of things that we need to learn that we need to unlearn uh, as traditional leaders of organizations. We need to unlearn that business school taught us. And uh, so I think we all agree that the pace of change uh, is becoming faster and faster, and it's not going to slow down anytime soon. Uh, so, and kind of under same uh, under same category, the question is: Okay, so I'm willing to go with Scrum Alliance. I like what you guys are doing. I like the path to CTC, CEC, and I see what I can be learned. Okay, I got my CTC. How is the same organization going to support me in this continuous learning and help me to upgrade my toolbox as I'm going through this? Are you talking about as a CTC? As a CTC and CEC. So I, I got my badges, right? The learning doesn't stop. The information flow hasn't slowed down. How Scrum Alliance helping me? Yeah, this is, this is something that we do need to grow some on, by the way. I, I do realize there is somewhat of a gap there. But as a CTC or as a CEC, the, the number of contact hours that you must do, the number of volunteer hours, the, number, the amount of continuing education that you must do is far higher than, than any other coaching certification in the Agile space that I'm aware of. So there is, there is built-in um, assurance that those people are keeping up with their skill set. But I do know for us as an organization, we've been talking about how are the ways that we can start convening the right people and start helping to, to equip your toolboxes even more as a trade organization. So just so some people don't misinterpret, like the CTCs and CECs don't work for us. Like we're not the employer. Like we're a credentialing, we're a trade organization. We're setting, we're setting a bar for what it means. And we're setting as um, our CTCs, CECs, all the other members of our organization is who we're here for. So it's our job to provide that value, to help, to help equip you, no matter where you are on that journey, to help transform your world of work, to help make your world of work more joyful, more prosperous, more sustainable. And 
there's been such a, a silence from our organization for a period of time in this world of coaching. And we're just in the last year and a half digging into this, that I know that there's so much more that we need to do and we will do. I can just, I'd love to just say from the perspective of someone who is a certified agile coach, one of the benefits that I've received is being among those who are and um, iron sharpens iron, you know, learning a lot from others, being challenged by others, um, seeing those who know more than I do and I'm learning from them and they're learning from me. So um, I think that's been a really great part of the experience. Oh, I, I do know that. I do see that on our internal discussion things. And it's, it is amazing how coaches will be able to pose complex problems, leaving client names off, but how do you help me? Can someone help me solve this particular thing? And they're, they're sharing and learning and collaborating. So you're right. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Um, we, I still think we can do more though. I would still like to be able to provide more because uh, I know how, like I said, I only did three months, which was three months way too long, but, but being, trying to be a change agent as best as I was trying, and I probably failed miserably, Cherie, but coaching in a complex organization that may be resistant to change or um, it is not an easy thing. It can be a lonely path sometimes, and it can be extremely challenging, and it can be a very emotional thing. Uh, so it is great not to be alone while you're doing those things. It is. And I'm going to hold you to that. We're going to do something more. And um, speaking of like working with all these great coaches, I've, I've gotten to meet and work with some of the best in the world. Um, and so I'm wondering you, Scrum Alliance, as an organization, you've got the best coaches in the world and you're parsing them out all over the place to help all these big companies. How are you utilizing them to help you as Scrum Alliance? kind of model what you're telling the world works? Yeah, I mean, we have hired over the last year and a half, I think we had four, um, four CECs working for us in our operational office there in Westminster, Colorado, just outside of Denver. Um, uh, coaches that have helped uh, us think about a new org design, coaches that have helped us think uh, helping to focus on our POs for every one of our cross-departmental teams over how to actually, how to, how to create a backlog for a persona-based team, uh, uh, working with our scrum masters for every team. So yes, we've actually employed multiple coaches over the years uh, um, trying to help us understand. I have a coach that works with me on a regular basis, just in a leadership capacity to help me understand where my blind spots are and trying to be trying to become the leader this organization really needs. I, I feel like I'm still a mile away from getting there, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge to try to get there. So uh, we do actually use coaches even for our small company of 55 people, so. So, and I'm pretty sure when people think about CEOs, they think of omnipotent and all, everything, the God who can do everything within the organization. And that's probably not true. You have your board, you have your very vocal community, um, sometimes with pitchforks. Uh, so, and if you were that dating and you could do anything you want 
with this coaching program that Scrum Alliance has. What would be some of the things that you would implement to make it better in your mind? If I would be omnipotent and could do anything with a coaching program, um, I'd love, I would love to sit down with the, with the um, leaders at McKinsey, at Bain, at Boston Consulting, at Accenture, and help them understand that while they're, while they're, many of them are very well-meaning and are trying to, to help in this world of agility, that they, that they need to up their game. Like I'd find ways to leverage our organization in, into some of the largest consultancies on the planet. Uh, so that they would want to have their people credentialed in that way. Um, uh, yeah, that, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I would love to do. That's, that's, I think that's one of the problems is there's a, there's a thousand ideas and a thousand things I would like to do, and we can only do so much at so much of a time. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just like, I think I'm the typical product owner of organizations, you know, that I just want to do more and go faster. Uh, and, but I always have to trust the teams and go, okay, that's all we can do. And I want every, I want all of our, all of our people to have sustainable pace and be able to have nice weekends. And I've set aside, no one answers emails on the weekend. Let's all have, but still I would like to go faster. Like I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact into the world. So um, I'd figure out some way to crank the knob up and, and apply more staff, more something um, to solve the biggest problems. Yeah. And so in this role as the chief PO, you've been making the, the world tour. You've, you've gotten to, to meet a bunch of people all over the world, go speak at conferences, see people, hear people. What's the experience that you've had in all those travels and all those interactions that has made the most profound impact on you. Was are you talking about besides the fact when I went to Hyderabad that everything in Hyderabad is hot, even the scrambled eggs? Um, yeah. uh, like when they say spicy, they are not kidding there. You know, I, you're right. Except for the pandemic, I haven't been traveling, but um, I I can't tell you much about the places that I've been. Um, but I can tell you a lot about the humans that I'm at. Like it's, I'm, I'm fascinated going places and meeting people and seeing how that they live and how that they work. And, you know, the, the common problems of a way to work that is far more humane exist in every single country, every single uh, industry. Um, and that, that groundswelling or that, uh, um, organic nature of people wanting a better way to work is universal. Um, and some are doing it better than others. Some seem to be um, uh, adopting things faster, but there's this yearning uh, to actually have a better way to, to produce products for customers. Um, uh, and and it's, it's interesting for me when um, I get off the plane in another country, especially in a country I don't speak the language, which is fascinating for me, where um, agilists in those areas can't wait for me to go meet um, uh, CEOs of very large companies in that area. And they're so proud to walk me around and show me um, how that they're 
putting together scrum teams in different areas and how much of a difference that it's making uh, for them and, and when it's not working, right? There, we've all seen lots of scrum teams that don't work very well, um, but they're okay with that. Like it, it's, I think that human need to be able to, to build something, to, to deliver value is there intrinsically for everyone. Um, and that passion to make work more human. Um, and that, that's always what drew me to this in the first place. And I want to kind of bring it back to the non-denominational stuff. Um, so that's, that's our motto at Tandem Coaching, right? And I know that when you came to Scrum Alliance, uh, you made a lot of changes and those were pretty big changes. I remember you, uh, you and I sitting in that Santa Clara um, room in the, in the training and you basically said, yeah, we allowed uh, our Scrum trainers, CSTs to be PSTs, right? And then uh, some of the PSTs came to the, to the other side. So their Scrum, their Scrum framework, we don't have anything to, to divide or to, to fight over. Same thing going with Kanban. Kanban is admitted as, the, as a strategy to optimize Scrum flow. They work really well. Right? So all these kind of agile frameworks and all that, they can work together and we can do better. And uh, we are recording this uh, just a couple of days after the International Women's Day. And it's interesting. Uh, so I'm Russian. I come from Russia. And this was and this is a big day in Russia. Right? It's like a national holiday and all that. And it's only starting getting traction here in the United States. And I know you did something with Scrum.org on that day. What was that and why was that the big deal? Yeah, it was International Women's Day and uh, Daphne Harris and uh, Anu Smalley got together and worked on how to help. It was about bringing more female diversity into the trainer community for both organizations, Scrum.org and Scrum Alliance. And so Dave West and I had, had chatted about, let's, let's collaborate and help make this something that both organizations, it means something to both of us. So um, uh, we hosted, uh, both of us put them together to where that they, they did that. And then we wrote an article about it and, and scrum.org wrote an article about it. And then we posted their article and they posted our article and social media kind of back and forth, which, um, for people that are outside of the Scrum and Agile bubble, that doesn't seem big. Um, but for two organizations that um, for a long time were at almost at odds with each other, which I don't understand why, but we were, um, to, to come together to try to solve something that um, we need to solve and is increasing um, more women in our space. Uh, like let's that's a that's a shared goal. Um, Dave and I are also working on something else that's a shared goal that we're probably going to announce in the next uh, few weeks. But um, I think building bridges are much stronger and better than building walls. Uh, and I believe that from the beginning. You know, we're we're all in this um, for the same reasons. Uh, we're all in this to help. You know, remove those handcuffs from people that are that are slaves of a workplace. Um, and to, to, to delight our customers more. We're trying different methods to get there, to reach different people, but it's, it's not that it's a religion. I mean, th these aren't, <laughs> um, we're here for the right reasons. So let's figure out what we agree to and let's work together on those. Yeah. 
And it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I was going to say like if the Pope can sit down with Ayatollah and have a conversation uh, about peace, uh, interconfessional, uh, interfaith uh, peace. I'm pretty sure two leading organizations uh, in Scrum space can do that much easier uh, and focus on what matters rather than this is our way, this is our way. So, and with that said, uh, what is your focus as the CEO and CPO for Scrum Alliance for 2021? Um, interesting is that um, uh, the pandemic last year, we. We, we pivoted to a virtual environment. Um, we made a lot of quick fixes to try to help uh, our website work for a, 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 a digital world and for uh, virtual courses. Um, but we've actually got to solve some of that infrastructure things. So we've, we, need to, we need to help ensure that our platform is stable enough and that we have the right things in place. So um, in a weird way, um, just like just like Scrum is uh, um, is more of a silver mirror than a silver bullet, it helps show things that are um, maybe uh, gaps. Um, a pandemic helped me see internally things, and for our for our website, for our platform, holes that I didn't actually realize were there. Uh, so we we're having to kind of really focus more internally on helping to to double down on some of those core things, and then uh, as we're still moving. Uh, towards more of uh, helping to ensure that we're growing our agile coaching population plus other more agile agnostic kind of kind of courses. I'm going to steal that silver mirror rather than silver bullet from you. Never heard that before and it's it's absolutely kind of um, makes the point. Well well just to be fair, I stole that from Mike Dwyer, CST. He wrote a blog about that back in 2000, I think seven or so mm -hmm. about it's not a silver bullet, it's a silver mirror. So I stole it from Mike Dwyer. So give him credit on that. Absolutely. So shout out to Mike Dwyer and his silver mirror, mirror versus silver bullet. And uh, with that said, uh, we are pretty much out of time. Thank you very much for to uh, come to our podcast today uh, and uh, giving us a little bit lay of the land what's going on at Scrum Alliance. Uh, about agile coaching and your uh, your view on 2021. Uh, it's been very enlightening and interesting. And uh, this has been Tandem Coaching Academy, Skipping Agile Coaching Non-Denominational Podcast. We had a uh, CEO of Scrum Alliance, Howard Sablet, with us. And we were your hosts, Shui Silas and Alex Goodenough. Bye now. Turn off the recording.